What's up guys, it's Arif. This is Arish. And welcome or welcome back to the Two Brothers and Their Sports Podcast. We have a great show lined up for you guys this week, kicking off the episode talking about the MLB's new foreign substance policy, which was a rule change based on the recent action of pitchers trying to get more rotations on the ball by using a mixture of sunscreen and rosin specifically, which we also covered this a little bit and asked Duke baseball coach Chris Pollard last week in our interview with him about this, and he agreed that it was cheating, just like we're about to tell you guys. Also, next week, we will be on vacation, so we will be doing a rerun of one of our earlier episodes, so we hope you guys enjoy that. So, um, the new policy, like you were saying, has come out, and a lot of MLB players do not like it. Pitchers like Tyler Glasnow are saying that their injury was caused because of this, and some old retired baseball players are saying that baseball isn't as fun to watch anymore, but that might be because of the the stuff that the pitchers are using like this. Garrett Cole gave up two home runs, but he's usually an ace, and he said it was because he didn't have his sticky substance. So, sticky substances might, I believe they're cheating. It makes hitting harder, but, and, but pitchers need to, they can't keep complaining, because the reason that the sticky substances have, that the sticky substances are being banned is because it's not just the pitcher's ability. There's something tainting that ability and adding stuff to it. And that's what I think people are calling cheating. So what is happening is uh, the people are, like the sticky substances were banned and now Garrett Cole is having trouble with his pitches. Tyler Glasnow said his injury was because he wasn't able to use the sticky substances. But I think, to be honest, sticky substance, this was the right idea for the MLB. They just need to figure out a way to collaborate with the MLBPA, the Players Association. The MLB and the MLBPA is one of the worst has one of the worst relationships in sports. Yeah. So they they never talk to each other about anything. And this rule was actually made mostly by the umpires association or the officials association. So the MLBPA was barely involved in this decision at all. So that's another big thing that you were pointing out. Yeah, and the, this is, I think it's a good idea by the MLB, but they need to figure out a better way. And the MLB, the players need to just throw based on their hands and they can't use other things to make it harder for the opposing teams. Yeah, like Chris Pollard said he in our interview, if you guys haven't seen that, check that out. It's in the top right corner right now. But if you're listening on YouTube. But he said that it's already hard enough to bat. A lot of people say that batting is the hardest thing in sports or the hardest thing in any sport to do. You have to hit a small baseball with a with a diameter of probably about six inches or easily less than six inches. And you have to time it perfectly and you have to aim it where you want. And obviously you have to try and score runs like that. And the pitchers are already throwing close to 100 miles per hour, which is incredibly difficult for even the average human. And even for MLB players, you see them go into slumps sometimes. So it's already hard enough pitching. 
um, it's already hard enough batting, then this pitching is not really for grip. This substance that pitchers are using is not really for grip. It's for, to increase rotations on the ball so that the pitch is um, nastier, if, if you would say. So it's basically to make their pitches better, but it's not actually to grip the ball. So that's why the MLB ban this because pitchers are enhancing their ability to throw the ball and they already have rosin and sweat mixed with rosin which is what happens during the summer is already a good grip so you 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 might need a little bit more grip but this rule change is specifically to decrease the rotations of the ball so that pitchers don't have better pitches using substances and actually in 2013 and 2014 Trevor Bauer was publicly tweeting about how to increase his rotations on the ball using a mixture. And I think he actually vaguely referred to sunscreen and rosin as a mixture. And no one really cared back then. He used that he used that mixture to enhance his pitching all the way until 2020 to win the Cy Young. No one cared back then. Even last year, no one cared. And then to sign the biggest MLB contract in history for a pitcher in this year because of sticky substances. And well, now, I don't think it's because it's sticky I think substances. it is. I think it so is. So you think without sticky sub substances, he, he would not have won the Cy Young? No, that's not what I'm saying. I said he would not have won the Cy but Young. But if he didn't have sticky, sticky substances, substances, then everyone else wouldn't have sticky substances, so he still would probably be as good. No, I don't think so. But not as good as he was. Exactly. But still good. But, but and now, better now than this year, competition at the rate he was with the sticky substances, I would say if everyone did not have okay. the sticky substances. Okay. And now even this year, we see he's not as dominant, especially this last week, which is when the rule change was. He hasn't been as dominant as he was earlier in the year, and especially last year too. Um, and then specifically. You, we all know how dominant Jacob Degrom has been. I think he's going to win MVP in in his league right now. Uh, the first pitcher to do it in a long time with his also his batting. He has more RBIs batted in than runs batted in RBIs than his earned run in the to total year. He has six RBIs and four runs or four earned runs against him. So he's pitching insane. His ERA is point five nine or something insane like that. He had eight bat. He had he faced nine batters. Had eight strikeouts in that game, um, which was against the um, Cubs. He only played three innings, and I that was after the rule change was implemented. So he had right shoulder soreness. You were talking about this a little bit with Tyler Glass now and his UCL injury, but. Uh, DeGrom's right shoulder, he has right shoulder soreness now in his pitching shoulder, but he's consistently been throwing over 100 miles per hour. He's obviously, I said, the best pitcher in the MLB, I would say, and he's batting very well. And I I, I think he's going to credit this injury to sticky substance, not being, able, not being able to use sticky substances. You talked about this a little bit with Glass now, who's also a top pitcher in the MLB right now. He's out for the whole year on IL because quote-unquote, he couldn't get a good grip on the ball, which I said the the uh, the rule change was to decrease rotations on the ball. So I think that's just a bunch of what he... I think that's just he made that up. But it co he, he could be crediting that, and it could be real. But DeGrom also is having something in his right shoulder as well. His MRI came back clean, which means he's day-to-day. -day. So a lot of pitchers are having this issue. Garrett Cole, all three of those are top... I would say top seven pitchers in the MLB right now. Glass now, Cole, and DeGrom. DeGrom, number one. And they're all having issues with controlling the ball because they don't have these sticky substances. So it's really showing how much this actually matters to the MLB. Now, Arsh, if we go into a little bit what we talked about with our interview, 
do you think that this is cheating or do you think this is something that the pitchers are using just because it was legal and up until now? I don't, I mean, when it was legal, it's not cheating. But when it's illegal, it's cheating. I think that's as simple as it is. I think if it's legal, you can do it. Even if it helps you, it's legal, so you can do it. But that's like getting tax benefits or something. It It's legal, it will help you, but it, if you're not allowed to do it, then it's cheating. I think I think of it like that. It's things, I think it's, it's really easy to explain when I'm thinking about it, but it's hard to put it out in words. But basically so what wait, I'm so saying is legal if, it's until... legal, if it's legal and it's actually happening, then it's okay. But as soon as it becomes illegal, it becomes cheating so and was... you can't do it and you can't blame. I mean, you can blame that the injuries and stuff you're having is because of the rule change. But if it's illegal and it's helping you, then you should be able to play baseball without it helping you. That's what I'm saying. So it's legal until the rule change, basically, you're saying? Yes. Okay, I disagree. I think it's cheating the whole way. First, like I said, batting is obviously the, one of the hardest things to do in sports. And I, de I detailed that a little bit. But pitchers getting a leg up on batters, which already is super hard to do, and now they're getting something that will help them so much more. You mean batters getting a leg up on pitchers? No, is really hard no, to no, do. no. Yeah, I know, but pitchers are getting another leg up. They already have a leg up on batters. They're getting another leg up on batters because they're using sticky substance. And Trevor Bauer, actually, a couple months ago, again, Trevor Bauer, he's mainly, he's a main figure in this. And he was, before this rule change, he was saying, oh, Robert Manfred, this is totally legal. I'm just going to do it and no one's going to care about it. Then after this, or up until this rule change and after, he's been really vocal about why it's not legal. So I think... He is sort of just playing to what the what the norm in baseball is at that time. But he actually posted a video on Twitter of himself holding the baseball, not even holding. It was sticking to the palm of his hand with his palm open. And it was and he was moving his hand up and down and it was just stand, staying in his hand. So it I think this is absolutely cheating. It's helping you grip the longer you grip the ball and the firmer you grip the ball the more spin you're going to have on the ball. So it's definitely cheating. It's making something that's super hard way tougher. And it's just not fair. So I agree with this rule change. I think it was totally, totally necessary. And it was ruining baseball today. Uh, like I said, when we first talked about this, a lot of pitchers, I mean, a lot of batters and position players were actually complaining of picking up the ball and it's sticking to their hands because of the pitchers holding the ball. So, I mean, because of the pitchers, what they're putting on the ball. Like, they couldn't even throw it properly because it was staying on their hand. So, I, this was absolutely necessary. Some of the repercussions of if pitchers are found using this now, after this rule change, it be, it's beginning in five days, actually. So, pitchers will be ejected and suspended for 10 games for using illegal foreign substances, which right now, most, of, most people think is sunscreen mixed with rosin. Um... And people who try it again and are caught will receive um, more discipline past the ejection and 10-game um, suspension. Starting pitchers will actually be, will there be more than one mandatory check per, per game um, through the umpires, and the umpires will check. Um, the relievers also must be checked once they conclude an inning or they're entered or removed from the game, so also they can be, they can be taken out of the game. And catchers will be subject to routine inspections 
and position players maybe search, which is what I was talking about a little bit earlier, so that if it's on their hands, obviously it's credited to the pitchers, which is the next rule, which is pitchers are responsible for substances found on catchers and position players. So basically, if a position player came with rosin and sunscreen mixed on their hands, and then the pitcher wasn't using it, but then it's caught on the position player, the, technically the pitcher could be ruled for it, which I think is not fair. I think you should have to search the pitcher, and it should be against the pitcher, but only against the pitcher and solely against the pitcher. But right now it's against position players and the pitcher, which I don't agree with that rule, but I agree with everything else. Hopefully this makes makes baseball, like you said, Arsh, a little bit, makes baseball more fun and back to the way it was before all of this stuff that was enhancing players' ability to play the game. Now we're going to talk about the all-defensive team, the all-rookie team, and the all-NBA team. So, like you mentioned, I'm going to start first with the all-defensive team. Um, the, I agree with the whole first team, which is Rudy Gobert, Ben Simmons, Draymond, Drew Holiday, and Giannis. I agree with all of that. Drew Holiday, I think, is if I, if I had to say someone that shouldn't have made it, if I had to, I would say Drew Holiday. But Rudy Gobert, obviously a lock because of his defense. Ben Simmons, also very, very good defense as well. And Draymond Green was the only defensive person on, or the only good defensive person on the Warriors. So he deserved to make it too. I don't think that's true. Not the only one. But the main one, I would say. And then second, which is the All-NBA second team, um, Bam, Jimmy Butler, both from Miami, Joel Embiid, Matisse Thybul, and Kawhi Leonard. So... In total, two two Miami Heat and three Philadelphia, which is why I think the Hawks are having a tough time against the against Philly right now. I agree a hundred percent with that whole NBA defensive team because they're all so good. Next, and then should I go for all defensive? Yeah, if you have any thoughts or if yeah. you think someone should have made it. Okay, so I don't. I mean, Ben Simmons, I kind of get, but I think he should have made the second team, and I think Jimmy Butler should have made the first. What? Team. Okay, I don't agree with that at all. Okay, and then. I was saying that Giannis Antetokounmpo and Rudy Gobert, Giannis has won an MVP and a Defensive Player of the Year, so has Rudy Gobert in the past few years. So both of them obviously going to be on the first team. Draymond Green, I think a very good Warriors defensive player, but I think the Warriors defense, unlike what you said, I think they do have, he's not the only good defensive player. They have other good defensive players. And then Drew Holiday on the Bucks. I agree with that. But actually that's two people on the Bucks that made it, so that's pretty cool. And then... For the defensive second team, Jimmy Butler, Thibault, Adebayo, uh, Leonard, and Embiid, I think that those are pretty good. It's because that uh, the first team, the people in the first team, like Embiid and Leonard, were stuck behind Antetokounmpo and Gobert, but otherwise they definitely would have made the first team. And then I guess I'll go to the all-rookie team. Yep. Uh, so for the first team... Uh, Lamelo Ball, easy. He should be. He's the rookie of the year. Then Anthony Edwards, easily. Hallie Burton, easily. Saqib Bay, I, I guess. And then Jayshon Tate, who's on my Houston Rockets. I'm so happy that he's made it. So that's gonna be pretty good. I think there's really no one else that I could put there. Maybe instead of Saqib Bay, Isaac Okoro. Sadiq Bay, you mean? Yeah, Sadiq Bay. Sorry, Sadiq Bay. Maybe Isaac Okoro, but. Maybe not. I mean, they're both basically interchangeable for me. Then for the second, they're not interchangeable for me. They are not. And then for the second team, Emmanuel quickly, uh, Desmond Bain, um, Isaiah Stewart. 
Isaac Okoro, and then Patrick Williams. But I wanted to ask you something. Where's what? your Celtic player? Celtic players at? I remember after the draft, you kept boasting about how good they were and how they're they got two picks in the first round. You kept telling Pritchard me, and Naismith. Yeah, and you they kept, didn't play that much. Yeah, but you Pritchard kept, played the most, and he was the later draft pick, and he. Peyton Pritchard was a good role player. He's not good enough. Yeah, to but you kept all of these players are they're what the first or second main player on their team. Peyton Pritchard is like top seven on the Celtics. Okay, but what I'm saying is you kept telling me, and first of all, that's not even true. But any you have to be good enough to get there. And what I'm talking about is you kept boasting, "Oh, I got the best shooters. I got the best players in the draft." Okay, they we may be the, the best shooters, but that doesn't mean they're gonna I make keep, all right. Let me keep talking. Best shooter, best players. Well, where are they now? Okay, that doesn't mean just because they're the best shooter does not mean they're gonna make the all rookie team. That does not mean that in any way. In Pritchard, any way, Pritchard didn't even make the top three, and the other players receiving votes, and your other player didn't even make it at all. Houston had KJ Martin as well, which is pretty good. Okay, well, I, 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 the Celtics didn't have a good year. It was a bad year for uh, Brad Stevens. And their their rookies weren't able. The past few years, their rookies have not been able to develop. Um, Robert Williams, Payton, Robert Williams has definitely he's, on defense. Yes, but not as the amazing. player they wanted him to be. The player they wanted Payton Pritchard, he was the, the player, Aaron Naismith. The only two are, that have actually developed. The only two that have actually developed are Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. And and I think Robert Williams on his defensive side, he was not supposed to be amazing on the offensive side. His defense is why they drafted him. Okay, uh, my all NBA team or my all rookie team, I agree with Lamelo and Anthony Edwards. They were unanimous, which I agree with. Sadiq Bay also I agree with, and Tyrese Halliburton. The only one I'm on the fence with is Jayshon Tate. He was a good player for the Rockets. He averaged eleven point three points. His fifty percent from the field, thirty one percent from three, and five rebounds and three assists per game, and one and a half steals. I he's not that bad of a player, but it's just that they weren't the Rockets weren't that good of a team. So if I had to switch anyone out, I not if I had to because I would switch Jason Tate out. I would switch Jason Tate out for Desmond Bain, Isaac Okoro. Or Emmanuel quickly, or even Patrick Williams for that matter, because I don't think Jayshon Tate was that good. Emmanuel quickly quickly was more valuable to the Knicks, and he wasn't even Obi Topin, who was their number five overall pick. Emmanuel quickly was more valuable to the Knicks than Jayshon Tate was to the Rockets, and we can see that because the Rockets had the worst record in all of the NBA. So Jayshon Tate should not have made the NBA All Rookie first team. He should have made. The NBA All Rookie second team, barely, I would say, not even not even a lock, barely, because he's not that good of a player. Emmanuel Quickly and Isaac Okoro are both better players, and Emmanuel Quickly and Darius Garland and Colin Sexton were the main key factors in the Cleveland, and that's what held them up. And argue a little bit, not not Kevin Porter, but Kevin Porter a little bit when he was on the Cavaliers. Those were the three main players that held them up. And even though they had a pretty bad record, Isaac Okoro balled out. So he deserved to be all NBA first team. But, and then that leads us a little bit to the NBA Rookie of the Year. 
we'll we'll talk about this a little bit right now, and then um, we'll go on to the All NBA team. Do you think Lamelo Ball or Anthony Edwards should have won um, NBA Lamelo Ball? Of the there's no. I dispute. agree. I'm not even gonna talk about it. Like really. Yeah, how, I agree. If you say Anthony, no, Edwards, I said I agree. I kind of get why you're saying. I'm t- to the audience. If you say Anthony Edwards, I kind of get it. But like, you gotta look at their stats. Yeah, I agree. And even though Lamelo Ball is out for like thirty games or whatever it was, he was still. Invaluable to that um, Hornets team, and then All NBA first team, Giannis, Steph, Luca. I'm, I mean, Luca should have made it. I'm saying, but at 24 years or 22 years old, whatever he is, I think he's 22, to be able to make the All NBA first team with Giannis, Steph, Nikola Jokic, and Kawhi, that's incredible. To a 22 year old to be able to make that team, that's incredible. And hats off to him. He deserves it too. Second team, Embiid, LeBron, Dame, Chris Paul, and Julius Randle. I agree with that, too. This is where I have some issues. The third team, Bradley Beal should have made second team. Jimmy Butler, because of his defense, that makes sense on third team. Paul George, also Rudy Gobert. I think Rudy Gobert should have been second team as well. Kyrie, also third team. But I think, where is Jason Tatum? Where is Kevin Durant? He shouldn't be there. Where is Kevin, Kevin Durant? Durant? Yes. Jason Tatum shouldn't Where be there. Where is Jason Tatum? Jason Tatum doesn't have a spot on the team. Jason, okay, granted the NBA 13 is also very, very good. But Jason Tatum could have made it instead of Jimmy Butler. Kevin Durant could have made it instead of Bradley Beal or Paul George. Wait, who did you say Jason Tatum should have made it instead of? What? Jason Tatum should have made it instead he of He could have made it instead of Jimmy Butler. No way. He could have Jimmy made it. Butler's defense plus his offense is too much for Jason Tatum. Jason Tatum cannot compare to him. Jason, Jason Tatum, Tatum is an all-star. And he's not even the best Celtics. Uh, he's not even the best yes, Celtics. He, okay, we're not going to get into this argument again. I think that Jalen Brown is not as good as Jason Tatum, and Jason Tatum carried the Celtics through the playoffs. But those are my two biggest snubs. Well, yeah, because my, Jason no, 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 Tatum, okay. there was no Jalen Brown in the playoffs. Jalen Brown was hurt. Those are my two biggest snubs. Kevin Durant and Jason Tatum missing the third team and the second team for Kevin Durant. Well, I don't agree with that at all. But anyway, I guess I'll go. So for the first team, Stephen Curry makes it as well. Oh, sorry. As I was saying, Stephen Curry makes it. And as well as that, uh, the MVP, Nikola Jokic makes it. Giannis makes it. Doncic makes it. And Kawhi Leonard makes it. I agree with all that. Except Joel Embiid, maybe, but... The, the second team, second team. Yeah, but Joel Embiid, I think, should have made the first team instead of a okay, different position. Instead of who? Instead of who? And if he was any position, instead of who? Kawhi Leonard, I would believe. Instead of Kawhi? I yes, just, okay. Joel Embiid, I would say, is better than Kawhi. But anyway, uh, Joel Embiid makes second team. So does LeBron, Damian, Chris Paul, CP3, and Randall. Randall cooled off by the end of the year, but I get what you're saying. But I think Bradley Beal should have been second team because of his, his scoring. Yeah. As well as Rudy Gobert. He made, I think he should have been on second team as well. He was a defensive player of the year. And and then the third team, Bradley Beal, Jimmy Butler, Paul George, Gobert, Kyrie Irving. I agree with you that Kevin Durant needs to be on this list. I don't know where he is, but he should be on this list. And then other than that, I'm fine with everything, except what I outlined about switching the teams. But I mean, snubs, not on any teams. I would say Kevin Durant. Stan Van Gundy is out as the New Orleans Pelicans head coach. Arsh, do you think this move was good or bad, also specifically for Zion Williamson's development as a player? I think that this was a good move because Zion, I think it's not really about Zion. 
it's about Zion. I mean, it's. I think that it's not about Zion, but it's about the Pelicans being better as an organization. Stan Van Gundy looks like a good person, but I don't think he's going to be a fit for this organization. He might be good later on, but right now, it just doesn't look like he's going to be very good for this organization, and that's why they fired him, because they... I mean, that's exactly why they fired him, because they just can't do it with him anymore. They don't think he's going to be good anymore for this organization, whether he's good for another organization or if he gets hired for another organization is a different story. But anyway, so so do you think it's good or bad for Zion Williamson? So for Zion, I think it doesn't matter because it's not about Zion. It's about the Pelicans being better. And I think that, yeah, that's basically it. It's There's really no more to it, except they just need someone that's better for their organization and it shouldn't have anything to do with Zion. Okay, I disagree. I think that this move was was bad for Zion. Steve Van Gundy was only 31 and 41 as a head coach in his first year, which is not horrible if you actually think about it. 31 and 41 is five games away from 500. And, it and was that's only, not good. For basketball, No, but it was only good. his first year. So you have to take that into account as well. Also, the Zion Williamson's family was complaining that he should not stay in New Orleans because of the staff there and because of how he's been treated. Which I, I think that that's why this move was necessary, specifically for Zion, who's a franchise player and he matters the most. I would argue in this organization, but this move was bad for Zion Williamson because he needs in his in his career he needs a constant. Now if he has his team. He probably won't leave his team just because the he Pelicans. Leave no, his no, team just later. because the Pelicans will always want to keep him. But he might unless not something sign. unless something unless he signs like a max contract or something, then of course he'll sign. But unless that's they're, not true. Unless that's what happened with James Harden. If they stop winning, the same situation that might happen with James Harden could always happen. I don't think it's fair to say that he'll stay at that on that team because that very well might not be true. Okay, but anyway, they they want to keep Zion Williamson. That's the end point, I'm saying. So they want to keep Zion Williamson, and th- this head coach just firing Steve Van Gundy just doesn't help at all. So I think this move was bad for Zion. Steve Van Gundy, or Stan Van Gundy, I don't know why I keep saying Steve. Stan Van Gundy deserves another chance. He he should be a, an NBA head coach. And like you know, Arsh, you always argue this with me in the on off air. You always say you should never fire a head coach after the first year. Would you agree with that? You always say that, right? Yes, I do say that. So then why, if if that's the case, then how is this? I don't think the firing, they shouldn't have fired him this early. But the question was about Zion, and I don't think it pertains to Zion. So Kemba Walker has been traded to OKC, and we're going to break this down for you guys. So... This trade, I think, was absolutely necessary for the Celtics. It was Boston agreed to send Kemba Walker and the 16th pick in this year's NBA draft and a 2025 second rounder to the OKC, to OKC for Al Horford, Moses Brown, and a 2023 second round pick from them. So I think this trade, it was necessary for the Celtics. They had to get rid of Kevin or Kemba Walker because of his injuries and because of the role he has he was supposed to have in that offense and has not had. But I think this the Celtics easily lost this trade. We see the impact Danny Ainge leaving is having on the Celtics already. 
If he was such a great GM, this probably would have been Kemba Walker and two seconds for Al Horford and Moses Brown and potentially another, a later second round. So Danny Ainge ha- leaving has, we see, has a huge impact. And this is Brad Stevens' first trade as a, G- as a GM. This, they absolutely lost this trade. Moses Brown isn't that bad, and Al Horford was was discussed as going to the Boston Celtics during the trade deadline. So I think that getting those two players is not bad, and especially a second round pick. But giving up Kemba a the a first round selection and a future second round selection, that's a horrible trade for the Celtics. They easily lost this trade. The uh, hats off to OKC. They're getting they're just getting their picks back from the um, Chris Paul trade. They're getting their picks back, or they're getting more picks actually, because Russell Westbrook left, Chris Paul left. They're getting more picks, more and more picks. And now their now their point guard is Marcus Smart. Marcus or Smart Lane, or Lane Ford or Pritchard. But oh, you're talking about the Celtics. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's because they had to give up Kemba Walker, which I wouldn't mind Marcus Smart stepping back into that starting role which he had before, especially because his defense has taken a huge step up. But the Celtics easily lost this trade. I'm already, as a Celtics fan, I'm already regretting seeing Brad Stevens being the GM just because of what this trade was. And Danny Ainge was so good as a GM. But uh, this was... Hey, maybe he'll come back. Yeah, I know. That's what I was saying. Maybe he would come back in that episode as a joke, potentially. But Brad Stevens, this was his first trade, obviously. First, as a first, he could make a mistake. He could succeed. We never know. I think he, they easily lost this trade, but they got some good key pieces back. Okay, so uh, there the prospect they got as a center that was Moses Brown. He grabbed ninety. If you remember this, nineteen rebounds against Boston in the first half. Yeah, when they he, played. Yeah, he was just insane. And to think that now he's on the team he grabbed 19 rebounds against in the first half. It has to be reassuring. Exactly. And and I think that's the reason why they drafted him. He made that big, I mean, why they traded for him. He made that big of an impression against them that they wanted him on their team. And that's exactly what they've done. They've gotten him on their team. And, as well as Al Horford, who they did have a few years ago, if I'm correct. And then he went to 76ers, Hawks, and then the OKC, and now he's back. But going back to Moses Brown... I mean, going back, yeah, going back to Moses Brown, the Celtics have no length, none at all, no height. They they play small ball constantly because they don't have any height. They had Tice, and then they traded him away, I think, to the Suns, I believe. So to get a center back who, like you said, had 19 rebounds and had that big of an impact and has that length and height, that's it's a good trade for the Celtics, aside from the fact that, gave, that they gave up too much. Yeah, so... What you just said was correct to me, but anyway, they getting they got they are getting Al Horford again, which they they're getting Al Horford again, which they already had a few years ago. And in the past four years, their point guards is have been crazy. They've been Isaiah Thomas, Kyrie Irving, and Kemba Walker as starting point guards in the last four season, which is crazy. Now Boston might be able to pick up a point guard, maybe like. How are they going to pick up a point guard if they lost their first round pick? In free agency, maybe, or trading. I don't know, but they need a point guard other than Marcus Smart, which they're going to have to figure out. So that's basically my view on it. I think that uh, Boston should have traded better. That was not a good trade in my eyes, but it happened, and now they're just going to have to hope that it pans out.
I mean, Brad Stevens does have a really good relationship with Sam Presti, who's the GM of the Thunder. But this gets this gives the Celtics more financial flexibility for Brad Steve or Brad Stevens. Well, right now, obviously, they need to find well, a yeah, new coach. Kemba. Yeah, yeah they need to. Coach. Yeah, he's owed seventy three million dollars approximately, and Horford is owed owed fifty three which is $41 million guaranteed. So Jalen Brown and J- uh, Jason Tatum will have more flexibility in their contracts. We saw that Jason Tatum already signed that max deal. And in the beginning of the year, Jalen Brown was in MVP contention because of his unguardable mid-range. So, and they can re-sign Evan Fournier. And sh- for the OK- for OKC, it rebuilds the roster around SGA. And uh, OKC gets Houston's top four projected first-round pick after the NBA draft lottery. So... OKC has done an amazing job getting Kemba another pick and another pick in the future. The, Sam Presti, I think, is the best GM in the NBA right now because of this trade and because of what he's been able to do. And he... They have, he, like, like, 22 picks or something crazy in the in the next 10 years. Yeah, I no, the, he's a really good GM. I just think that the Celtics lost this trade yeah, by I a lot. How, how do you give up a first-round pick? And Kemba Walker and a future pick, just for Moses Brown, Al Horford, and a few uh, in four years a second round pick. I think they just wanted to get rid of Kemba that bad. I mean, yes, but but uh, part of it was also because the NBA physical is coming up next week or the NBA combine, and Kemba probably would have failed because of his knee. But otherwise, I think that the OKC got a really really good trade, especially for the value of Kemba if he stays healthy, and the Celtics easily lost this trade. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of the Two Brothers and Their Sports Podcast. If you're listening on YouTube, make sure to hit that like button and that subscribe button, and make sure to turn post notifications on so you're always notified when we drop a new episode. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, make sure to leave a review. We check those daily, and we will make sure to feature your comment in the next episode. Until next time, we're we're the Two Brothers and Their Sports Podcast.